0: Tennis. dot com podcast, and here's your host Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Ed McGrogan and Steve Tigner, back at you with a Tennis. dot com podcast, a pre French Open pre draw edition. Actually, the draws will happen uh, tomorrow. This is being recorded on a Thursday, and you know, Steve, I think we uh, there still is as, as much to discuss even before the. The draws come out, you know, in, in some ways I think the draws are very relevant to this event. Um, in other ways, it does seem like on actually both the men's and women's sides, um, we we sort of know who we expect to uh, be there at the end, but there's a few wrinkles that could, could come our way. And, and the big stories really overall remain the number one seeds, Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams and really just what they're playing for it's it's pretty significant on both sides
1: yeah you know we talk about Djokovic every year now coming into the French trying to finish complete the career grand slam this will be the fifth time you know he's won he's he won all three had all three others locked up by 2011 so this will be the fifth time he's come here looking to do that that's obviously something that weighs on him you know he starts every year making that his priority and. It seems like every year that's the only big tournament he doesn't win, um, and you sort of see, you sort—I feel like you sort of saw last week the pressure weighing on him a little. Bit. He agitated, easily agitated in Rome. You know, we'll see. Maybe he got that out of his system, and he'll be okay. Uh, but the French Open is a tough, tough event even for him. Suddenly, you know, he goes into pretty much every other tournament as the. As the big favorite, the overwhelming favorite, but I don't think you can say that at the French Open. We saw last year that just takes—I feel like—just takes an, maybe a bad draw or a match. His semifinal was postponed over two days. Um, a hot opponent, and, and he, you know he can he can lose this thing. Uh, for Serena, it's it's also a big you know a big uh, moment for her. She can tie. Steffi at 22 majors, she can also tie Steffi. What I think is one of Steffi's most amazing records is she's the only player to win each of the four majors four times. And if Serena... Sort
0: of, yeah, sort of a slam within a slam of sorts. If, and if
1: Serena does that here, she'll tie that record. I always thought that was almost Steffi's most impressive record, more than the, than the slam totals, the fact that she could win them all four times. You know, She didn't just dominate at one, one or two majors. So Serena has that, and Serena also look. But you know, like Djokovic, this has been her. It's been her worst major, relatively speaking. He's never won it, but she, he she's won it three times. But she's won all the others six times.
0: Yeah. Now the big difference between the two is that you know coming into this tournament, um, you know both of course, both of course have a a recent clay title. Djokovic. In the Madrid, Serena in Rome. Now, the other part of that is that Djokovic, in other events, has really done just as well. Um, has an Australian Open title, of course. Has other significant tournament tournament wins. Serena, we we really only saw her reestablish herself this past week in Rome. It's taken a long time, really, since the US Open last year where everything uh for the calendar slam uh you know ended right there it's taken her a long time to get really just get back on track and and to see the player that you know by measure of the rankings is still way ahead of the field and is still you know the clear favorite that you would, that you would pick to win this tournament um so i just wonder really how much specifically Serena's quest is, is weighing on her. And, you know, another difference between the two, obviously is their ages. And, um, you know, while they are still such dominant players, Serena is at a much different point in her career. And, you know, I, I, that's, I think to me is perhaps almost the more interesting of the two is, is, is really how this could possibly weigh on Serena again, because, you know, it, it seems to always rear its head at some point in these majors, even during last year's uh, conquest. But you know, as much as the French Open is a different animal for Novak Djokovic, it's almost as if any major is is a different animal for Serena Williams.
1: Yeah, you know, when she right before she tied Chris and Martina at 18 majors, she got stuck at 17 for three or four slams where she lost early, and it did. She did say that it weighed on her to get to 18 and to tie them, and now she's at 21 and she's lost, she's won away from Steffi, and she's lost, hasn't won the last two majors in, at the US Open and, in Australia, and, and the typical thing in the past was to say that you have to get Serena early in the tournament, or you're not going to beat her, um, and that's been true at the French Open, she lost in the first round when she was the top seed in 2012, and she lost in the second round to Muguruza in 2014, and then the other two years, 2013 and 2015, she won it all, so... But I don't know whether that's so true anymore. After after last year's U.S. Open, where she lost in the semis, and this year's Australian Open, where she lost in the final, so she's she's had a little more trouble finishing, um, you know, the, the the slams than she used to. That 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 could come into play. Also, in the same way that that um, the draw will will be interesting for Djokovic, it will be interesting to see where Victoria Azarenka lands. She's the fifth seed. At the French Open, the fifth-ranked player, where she lands in the draw, and, and how that could affect Serena.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, the the I think the WTA draw in that respect um, could give us a lot of uh, potential trouble areas for a Serena, for any of the big players, because you know, as we saw, really since the start of the clay season, um, the WTA has, I think, been chaotic even for the wta's sort of standards for for chaos because uh we have not had much of a semblance of a, of a of an arc here of a of really a, a leader in the clubhouse for for this store for this tour really we've seen countless numbers of top ten players um losing first second round we've really seen as you mentioned azarenka go from Kind of the consensus second favorite to really wondering where you know what we can expect from her in Paris, um as you say, the five seeds to that you know that's interesting where that turns out, you know Simona Halep down down to number six in the rankings, but even if you go down further than that, you know you see someone like a Patrick a rank number twelve um a Madison Keys at seventeen. You know, it's it's another kind of case of of really somewhat of an unsettling clay season uh, that we've run into, and I think in in many respects that's going to make that could even make a a challenge from Serena's challenge tougher potentially. Is you know, there's just so many unknowns at this point. Um, You know, where beside what are you kind of looking for? on the women's side um, as we go, as we move past the big name, Serena Williams?
1: Well, I think you have a bunch of people who have done well, um, shown some, some life, some, some potential and, and then fallen back. You've had pretty much each of the top women has had their moments. Um, You know, you look at somebody like Kerber who won in Stuttgart, but then didn't do much else after that. You have Muguruza who hasn't done anything this year, but, but made the semis in Rome and looked better there as won in uh, in the spring in the US but she hasn't she's been hurt and hasn't done much on clay Simona Halep won in Madrid and then lost early in Rome so it's a bunch of you know it's a lot of people who seem to be able to put together a run and, but you don't know who's going to do it at, at this tournament you can't you couldn't really count on any of them you also have like you said Madison Keys who had a good tournament in Rome but how long can she keep up that sort of consistent that consistent play with her new coach um so yeah it's it's like probably one of these top players will will come through and and have a good tournament but i don't think you could really say which one it's going to be it's it's but it's chaotic but it's also you know it's not it's not like these players haven't had their haven't shown their potential this season so um so it's interesting in that
0: way so speaking of potential and and with Madison Keyes, someone we've just mentioned here. It was interesting in that um Serena after defeating Keys in Rome uh at, at the at the net, they shake hands, embrace and um Serena says essentially that she will be a future number one Madison Keys. And you wrote about Keyes earlier in the year for um for Tennis magazine. A big part of that was actually Keys bringing on Jesse Levine as coach, um, trying to I think it seemed like at that at that very at that moment kind of a, a new stage of her career. That's already passed by. There's already been um, it seems like some change in that, and I just I kind of wonder where you see Keys at at this point, and if anything since you've written that piece. Uh, has perhaps changed your opinion of where Keys may go. It's not that far away from the beginning of the year, but um, but I do wonder since since it seems like Keys really has obviously that game breaking potential to you know perhaps as Serena suggests really shoot up the ranking at some point.
1: Yeah, I think it's a big thing for Serena to say that. You know, she, I don't think she said that about say Sloan Stevens, and I think I think Keys. I would assume that will be a big thing for Keys to hear for Madison to hear that that she could be number one from Serena if she hasn't heard that before um, as far as keys yeah I think I think at the beginning of the year there was a hope that they could go from from a sort of uh, somewhat older coach in Lin- Lindsay Davenport, not old but old you know to somebody more her age, maybe more of a also who sort of can read. Is a friend um, in Jesse Levine, and I think they just found out that she needed more than that. Now she's not. Maybe they thought she was ready not to have a a taskmaster or a you know that that she had she had matured enough to not to have that type of coach. But I think they found out maybe Jesse Levine just wasn't ready for it. Couldn't give her what she needed. Now she still needed more of a discipline in in helping her mentally. And, you know, they tried Mats Vilander for a couple minutes <laughs> and eventually, I think, ended up with Hogstead. I know Hogstead has a, has a good relationship with, with um, Madison Keyes' agent, who Hogstead, Keyes and Maria Sharapova share an agent. Hogstead, of course, had a great run with Maria Sharapova for years. And, you know, I think maybe he's just a more serious, experienced coach with a track record who she can trust as somebody who knows how to make a player as good as she can be, and and it seems like, in that first week, it's you know, it's worked, and she was, not only did she do well, but she was really happy and and happy with the progress, and felt like, felt like he was you know, doing the things that she needed. So um, so that's good. Um, now it's the next turn. You know, now for Madison, of course, it's can you keep that going?
0: Yeah. So let's shift back to the men here, as we as as we started with kind of the overarching. Djokovic and Serena quests here in Paris. Um, in Djokovic's case, we, uh, to me, it seemed that he got everything out of this clay pre-warm up season that you could expect from him to uh, to knock off the checklist. He wins a, a significant title um, in Madrid. He beats Rafael Nadal on clay, and you know overall doesn't really. You know, once he got past the uh, his his loss much earlier, it seems a long time ago to Viesli, um, in Monte Carlo. You know, I I don't I didn't get any sense of Djokovic not coming into this tournament in absolute top form, despite a loss to Murray uh, in the Rome final. And you know, as as it relates to Murray and Nadal, you know, all of them. I think both of those guys really come away with the clay season, you know, thinking that it's turned out just as well for them. Murray um, winning in Rome, of course, uh, you know, beating Djokovic, and in a, a Rafa really kind of getting back to that presumptive, uh, you know, favorite, perhaps against everybody but Djokovic on clay. He had a nice run. Early in the season, Monte Carlo, um, Barcelona, to get just to get that sort of aura back a bit on clay that's really been sort of uh, that's vanished a little bit over the years. So I, I think on this on the men's side, it's you know all three of the top guys have to be pretty pleased with their progress at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think Djokovic he needed some rest after Monte Carlo. He got that he needed. He needed to get back out and get matches and he won in Madrid. That was important. He beat Rafa. That's important. You know, he can't lose that match. Um, and then I feel like in his head, after he'd done that, he he was almost halfway to Paris, you know, but he still had to play Nishikori and Murray. He almost looked in those matches as if he wasn't sure how much he wanted to be out there. He, he hurt his ankle against Nishikori. Um, you know, he overall, he didn't look happy in either of those matches. I think, Maybe now it's just for him. It's just time to get on with, with the Grand Slam. Um, but I think he's he's looked good. Uh, he, I would say the problem, the one problem, possibly for Djokovic is the other two guys: Marafa getting back to his, you know, close to his top form, and Murray now with a with a definitely a higher level of confidence than he's ever had. He has to feel like he can win the French Open. It must be the first time he's ever felt like that. So that, in a sense. Is probably the only problem with for Djokovic is those two guys come in with pretty much equal, you know nearly equal level of confidence.
0: Yeah, it, it, and if you actually went on the um, on the ATP site, today, they listed the winning percentage on clay for these for those three guys over the past fifty two weeks. Um, Murray eighty five percent, Nadal eighty four point eight, and Djokovic eighty three point three. So it, it's you know it shows just what the the the, really the separation of these three on clay and uh and obviously just i think the shared confidence that that they come into at Roland Garros here um you know looking at potential pitfalls along the way um there's certainly the defending champion of course Stan Wawrinka who you know as as we've gone into this it it doesn't it, it's not exactly breaking news that Stan can really just kind of appear and Really take over from there if he is if he's uh, calibrated correctly for the, that fortnight. Um, Stan obviously a someone that of course I mentioned the draws will be out tomorrow. That whoever is really saddled with potentially facing him that is a problem that will have to be overcome. Um, Kana Ishikori you mentioned, you know probably the f- probably the fourth best clay season by far amongst. ATP players goes to Nishikori, you know, with the exception, with the caveat that in all of his instances against Nadal and Djokovic, where he just could not get through at the end, taking losses 7-5 in the second, 7-6 in the third, 7-6 in the second, just, you know, kind of in a way, I feel like the same story for Nishikori is that, you know, now he, you know, I, I think the, I think his belief against these guys has improved over over the years and i think the physical ailments that have really defined him a long time i think he has worked his way past those two areas of concern but you know in this results based business that's really the thing that's holding him up is he just has not been able to break through and you know third i think we i think you really at this point have to mention Nick Kyrgios as someone who is another threat to even the top guys here. Um, You know, I think this, I think 2016 has been a very strong year for Kyrgios. Um, Seems to have moved past the, and I think a lot of us have moved past the ugliness of the Ravrinka match last year, and we're seeing really him, um, you know, becoming that you know, the I think one of the ultimate dark horses, and you know, capable of putting forth that you know Wimbledon win over Nadal, even on clay against somebody else.
1: Yeah, Curious is the proverbial guy that nobody, none of the top guys are going to want to face, and that includes Djokovic and um, Nadal, Murray. Um, he's definitely a wild card in this draw, and you know, I feel like Nishikori is sort of the where 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 Vavrinka was around 2012, 2013. Getting close every time, but not getting across the line. We'll see whether that ever changes for him. As of now, you put him. I think you put him at the top of the second tier of, of favorites for this. And in a way, I, I have to think Fabrinka is just as much, a danger, to win the tournament as he was last year. <laughs> no, not not really any less. He didn't come into last year's tournament, having done much, and he won it. It's, you know, I think he's he's still maybe the fourth favorite really despite the fact that he hasn't really played well most of this year
0: what you know one name we didn't mention dominic tm clearly has built a lot of momentum this year you know what in your mind what is kind of a successful tournament for him at this point he will he will uh, of course be looked at as a, uh, and he'll be a top 16 seed. So, I mean, to to me, it's it does seem like you know a second week is what we should perhaps expect from him at this point.
1: Yeah, I think you could look at the quarterfinals as a success, depending on his draw. I mean, in a way, he's, I thought he was going to be a bigger threat coming into the clay season than he than he's turned out to be. He hasn't come up with any huge wins on clay. I think he still needs to learn how to pace himself in a way he goes for he, you know he goes for a lot even on clay when when he doesn't really need to He he you know he, he maybe he hits bigger than he needs to and maybe those are just lessons he needs to learn i think a quarterfinal finish would be good um for him but i think he still needs to learn to to play to sort of manage matches i guess you would say play matches well on on against the bigger players um but yeah i think i think the quarters for him and i think we also you know of course have to mention Roger Federer who hasn't as of now hasn't pulled out of the tournament but but could play a role depending on whether he does or doesn't withdraw um maybe that's more of where he'll play a role this year than in the actual tennis i don't even think he, i don't think he's really expecting to do much at the at the french this year after his various injuries
0: i do you know and i and that's Principally because Nadal is the five seed and could potentially be moved up elsewhere uh, to avoid uh, Murray, Djokovic till the semis. <clears throat> the uh, you know Federer, I, I do think he, I do think that uh, streak, that Iron Man streak of sixty five um, consecutive slams. I think I, I do. I would be pretty surprised if he pulls out. But though, if he does, I mean maybe we're really seeing that this this uh, injury is a little more serious than we've, than we've potentially uh, been letting on here. Um, I would also think at this point he would, I mean, I think he would want to be practicing on grass
1: by now, you know, if he really, if he really had his choice.
0: And that was the intention all really since the beginning of the year. I mean, it was originally it was only to play at Roland Garros uh, yeah. that changed. And, and, you know, like you said, it, it for Federer clearly the 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 main focus is is beyond paris at this point and i and i and we'll see really what kind of uh what kind of effort we we see him put forth here at this event here um anything else on the men's side before we wrap things up that come to mind there's uh obviously the uh the annual french hope that uh, will will be you know, it'll be talked about at some point in the broadcast, the broadcast I should mention this year, tennis channel grabs a, almost the entire tournament. Uh, this is ESPN actually does not do any coverage of the French this year. That should be, uh, should be mentioned. NBC will pick up the finals. Um, and I believe a little more at various points, but this is almost a tennis channel exclusive tournament That's worth mentioning too.
1: Yeah. We'll have to see how that works out. Um, I guess, the, I guess the thing with the men's tournament is it's, you know, I guess the first week we'll see the French hopes, like you say, Monfils and Sanga will be, you know, in the big court, get, having probably the long matches and the, getting the crowd into it. But I feel like this is, a, this is a tournament that, just as much as any other, or in recent years, is just dominated by the, the top three, four, top three, top four guys, maybe mainly the top three guys. They seem to have a they seem to have a lock on this one, at least going in.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. So we will, um, and we'll have plenty of coverage of it, of course, starting on Sunday. This is the one major that likes to uh, begin on Sunday, so we, uh, we will do that. Uh, plenty of coverage throughout the two weeks, um, as well as some podcasts too. We'll try to fit those in. So for Steve Tigner, this is Ed McGrogan once again here at the Tennis.com podcast. Thank you again for listening. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.